Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Scripture reading this morning from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. So what are we going to say? Should we continue sinning so grace will multiply? Absolutely not. All of us died to sin. How can we still live in it? Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too can walk in newness of life. If we were united together in a death like his, we also will be united together in a resurrection like his. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. But if we have died with Christ, we have faith that we will also live with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. He died to sin once and for all with his death, but he lives for God with his life. In the same way, you should also consider yourself dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, Some of you probably know that um, I have a hobby of of growing plants. I have a, a growing collection of bonsai and cactus and succulents and other things and my wife would say growing is an understatement uh there's a number of them out there because it's a passion of mine i belong to a number of plant related facebook groups there's a lot of kind of collective wisdom out there in social media well there's a recurring thing that happens in fact almost every day when i turn on facebook and look at my news feed someone has posted a picture of the most pathetic plant you've ever seen. It's drooping, it's brown, it's lost most of its leaves, or it's been eaten by insects, or it's covered in fungus. And always there's a question with the picture, do you know what's wrong with my plant? Do do you think I can save it? Do you think it'll be okay? I rarely comment and I rarely need to because by the time I see it, person after person says, it's dead, it's gone. You're not saving that. Now, I haven't always been interested in plants. Many years ago, I had a a church office and another church, and somehow I had acquired a couple plants. I think they're called pothos. 
And, and I neglected them. I, in fact, I was, I was terrible to them. And so most of the time they were just brown and droopy and then I would water them and they would revive. And one day I, I was sure they were dead and I watered it and it came back. Rather than teaching me that I should take better care of them, it, it started a rather sick habit of mine. I decided I was going to start an experiment and I would see just how close I could get to killing them before adding water and bringing them back to life. I became the plant god of my office. Not a very good god, but just the controlling one. Well, you know what happened, right? I went a day too long and killed both of them. I didn't need to put it on Facebook. They were dead, definitely dead. Since then, I've become a much more conscientious gardener. But even now, as much time and as attention as I give to it, as much as I've learned through the years about how to care for them, I still kill plants occasionally. They're living things, and they require a particular way of caring for them. I'm often told by people that know I grow grow plants, they go like, oh, I wish I could. I kill every plant. Anybody like that? Any brown thumbs in the room? Yeah, you've told me, some of you. And you've probably heard me say back to you that, you know, yes, there is a skill to growing plants, but also learning to grow plants means you have to develop a certain tolerance for killing plants. They're living things. And sometimes the process of, of seeing them die teaches you how to take better care of the next one. For a plant to be healthy, for a plant to thrive, for a plant to live, it needs the right conditions. Different plants need different amount of sunlight. Different plants need different kinds of soil. Different plants need different amounts of water. You got to protect them from pests and disease. Plants need different kinds of fertilizer. Some plants need pruning. If you want to keep it in a pot, if you want to keep it inside, if you want to grow it somewhere that it doesn't normally grow, like like a tropical plant in a cooler atmosphere that you know that doesn't handle frost well, well, you've got to give them more care and attention. But with the right care and the right attention. A plant will grow to be beautiful. It'll thrive and it'll be fruitful. Some plants produce beautiful fruit, food for us to eat. Some beautiful foliage, some beautiful flowers for us to enjoy. Just look around the church. We have plants everywhere. Thankful to those who take care of them and provide those for us. Plants can bring joy and blessing because they're a beautiful living thing. Today's sermon isn't about plants. It's really about humans. Because we require certain things to be healthy and grow as well. Humans need oxygen and light and food and water, right? We need to be fed too. But there's more to us than just our physical life. There's our spiritual life, our relational life, our intellectual life, our emotional life. And all of it needs care and nurture. Life, human life, needs purpose. It needs direction. And I'm sure all of us can think of examples when human life has been abused or neglected. Human vitality suffers. With abuse or neglect, we wither. Just like a plant withers from abuse or neglect, we too wither sometimes. We may not show it. Our foliage may not turn brown, but... You know, right? You know when you feel fully alive. 
you know when your life feels like it's draining. Sometimes we can see it in others. We, can, we notice when somebody's fully alive. We also notice when you're, you're not doing okay, are you? Need I say it? We were made to live. We were made to thrive. God created us to be thriving beings. The longer I read the Bible, the more time I spend with the Bible, the more I'm convinced the Bible is a book about life. It talks about a lot of things, but ultimately it's about the quality of the lives we live. From start to finish, the Bible talks about life in all of its different forms. From creation to the purpose of life to ultimately eternal life and everything in between, the Bible is a book of life. Think, just think about it with me for a minute. Genesis 1, God creates everything there is and gives living things life. Genesis 2, God forms a human from the dust of the earth and the God breathes God's spirit into the, the dust being, the mud man, and it comes to life. His name is Adam. He places him in a garden. And in that garden, there is a tree of life. And as long as he and his descendants eat from it, we were intended to live forever. Genesis 3, the fall. We get kicked out of the garden. We don't have access to the tree of life anymore. We become mortal beings. Death becomes part of the human experience. It says, from dust you have come, to dust you will return. Genesis 4, a brother kills a brother. Death, violent death, becomes part of the human experience. And then death, violence increases, increases until God says there's just too much. God regrets creating humans and floods the earth, taking most of the living things with the flooding waters. But then after the flood, new life begins again. Many, many years later, there was another affirmation of life. The birth of a child, a particular child. And John 1, 4 says, in him, this child was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Think about Jesus' entire ministry. It all had to do with life. He invited people to repent, to turn from their old lives, to live new and different lives. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I have come that you may have life in abundance. He said, eternal life is knowing God and the one he sent. He invited us to be spiritually reborn. He healed the sick, restoring their physical lives. He raised the dead to new life. Remember the story of Lazarus. He said that we only find the purpose of our lives by losing our lives. And ultimately, he died on the cross so that we could inherit from him eternal life. I just read from Romans 6. The, the message version of some of what I just read said, what we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down 
to us. It's life. That's what the sacraments are. It's an invitation to participate more deeply in this mystery of of death dying with Christ on the cross and life being given to us with his resurrection. It's all about life. The precious gift of life. A life of purpose. Life in relationship with God and people. Remember what he said the most important thing was? Love God and your neighbor. That's about how we live in relationship. It's about new life. Forgiven life. Restored life. Abundant life. Born again life. Spirit filled life. Eternal life. This is what Jesus was all about. There's a theologian by the name of Jürgen Moltmann who writes, where Jesus is, There is life. There is abundant life, vigorous life, loved life, eternal life. There is life before death. I love that phrase, life before death. How many of us think of religion as only being about life after death? But he came so that we could have life before and after death. Life to its fullest. I recently discovered a a, a Bible teacher by the name of Verna Dozier. She writes, I believe that the genius of Christianity is not creed or institution, but the vision of a new possibility for human life rooted in an ancient understanding of God and articulated and lived out by a Nazarene carpenter. Let me think about it. Jesus is the source of our life. Through him, John tells us, all things were made. He is the source of life. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me. He gives us the example for how to live a life that honors God. And he provides the means through the cross so that we can live forever. He ultimately conquered the greatest enemy to life, death. So that even though we'll die, we'll live forever. Now, it probably goes without saying, life requires sustenance. Just as plants need water and soil and fertilizer, humans also need food and water and air and light to live. That's just for our physical bodies. Our spiritual needs Uh, are different. Our relational needs are different. Our intellectual needs are different. Just as the tree of life provided food for the body for Adam and Eve, it also provided food for their souls, which they lost when they left the garden. I think if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's reminded us of how precious life is because in so many ways we've been cut off from things that are life-giving. Some of us have been cut off from life-giving work. Some of us have been cut off from life-giving relationships as we socially distance or work from home or go to school from home. Some of us have actually feared for our, for our health, worried about this pandemic and its impact fearful for our lives and the lives of those we love. And certainly the pandemic has cut us off from this place. It's so good to see so many of you here this morning as we start to come back after being away from each other in this place for so long. 
This is a place that we receive spiritual strength. This is a place we receive sustenance for our souls. And one of the places we receive that spiritual sustenance is at the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Early in the pandemic, we figured out that since we can't be together, we should probably offer that online. So we encouraged you to get bread and juice at home and and to do it from home, as Emily and I did it, on the other side of a camera. But it wasn't the same, was it? It It was making the best out of a not a great situation. And we still have concerns about how we can do this safely, hygienically. So today's communion is going to be a little bit different. And yet we know it's important. We know that the bread and the juice represent something more than just a little piece of bread and a little bit of juice. It's sustaining to our spiritual existence, to our souls, just as the tree of life was sustaining to Adam and Eve. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, once said, as our bodies are strengthened by bread and wine, so are our souls by these tokens of the body and blood of Christ. This is food for our souls. This gives strength to perform our duty and leads us on to perfection. So as you came in, you, you received a little plastic bag and a, a little packet, and in it there's a little thing of bread and a little sip of juice. It probably all seems a little strange. It's different than what we normally do. But somehow if you can look past the packaging, if you could look past the different way that we're doing this, that little piece of bread and that little sip of juice represents something more, doesn't it? It represents the body and blood of Christ who's given to us so that we can live. This little bit of bread and juice is for us life. In some mysterious ways that we can't begin to understand, it promises, it offers, that after we gather here at the table, we can leave here more alive than when we came. This is a gift of life. And so in the words of the old Methodist book of worship for communion, here's the invitation. Draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.